everyone, welcome to the Curiosity Cast, a place where we explore a variety of topics, meet interesting people, and follow our curiosity wherever it takes us. I'm your host, Allie Merrill, and thanks for tuning in. Tristan Dale is a former rescue swimmer who was in the Navy for about six years. He now works in the private sector of the cybersecurity space. We'll be chatting about what it's like being a rescue swimmer and some of his experiences during his time in the Navy. Here he is, meet Tristan. So thanks so much for joining me, Tristan. It's awesome to have you. <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Um, so just a little bit, I kind of just wanted to share a little bit of background on how we know each other. You and I met through Kelsey, who is a really good friend of mine. So we met each other in person at Sundance Film Festival when we all went for that vacation, which was so fun and so inspiring. Awesome. Um, and that's where I first kind of heard about your background as a rescue swimmer. And actually, I just realized what's your what was actually your title? Um, AWR, uh, which I, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Google before this because uh, it changes and it has changed oh, yeah. okay. over the years. All right. I'll call you AWR from now on then <laughs> for <laughs> what you did. <laughs> we never do that. Uh, yeah. You're probably ready to move on. Um, well, would you mind sharing a little bit about who you are, where you live and what you do now for work? Yeah. So now I live, well, this is a strange time um, because uh, I don't live where I um, just recently moved to. So I did live in Virginia Beach. Okay. Um, I just um, accepted a job offer a couple of weeks ago and started a new job um, in the D.C. area. Okay. Uh, so I'll be living in Arlington. Uh, before that, I worked at a small company doing cybersecurity um, for the Navy. And um, yeah, still going to keep doing that. Still going to do DOD, um, Navy-related cybersecurity stuff for the uh, bigger firm that I work at now. Which okay. Is and now you're in the private sector, though, rather than correct. Yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry. Yeah, for yeah. The Navy. Clarify that. Yeah, I'm not very good. I'm not very good at explaining things. Um, <laughs> yes, I um, I am a contractor now, so I'm a civilian. I'm. Yeah, no longer active duty, not a reservist, um, completely out of the Navy. And okay. um, yeah, just contracting. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, this is a weird time with the coronavirus. I'm curious if you guys have done any weird or fun or out of the ordinary things during this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think the most, I have not nothing really crazy. Um, I, you know, just watching shows. I think the craziest yeah. thing was watching Tiger King. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think that'll mark. <laughs> the we'll never life. forget this time just because of that show. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Other than that, just, you know, wearing the mask is, you know, all, all of the yeah. place. And, um, so it makes grocery shopping an adventure because you're like, oh, what am I going to see? Yeah. yeah. People, people are weird. I was thinking today I went to the grocery store and I had my mask on and I was like, I would smile at people as, you know, at the cashier or whoever I was walking past or something. And I realized they can't see me smiling. And I thought I should just draw a little smiley face on the front of my mask so that when I go out, people will see a happy face and then I don't even have to smile. <laughs> you can draw so, a smile. That's a good call. Yeah, you might kind of like a joker face. vibe if you don't do it right there. You have to, you yeah, have to make sure it you could be kind of creepy. Then it's you just like. The venom or the joker. <laughs> 
just like a permanent smile on my face. Yeah, that's probably more creepy than happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think maybe I won't do that. I really um, though. I, I was yeah, I, I was smiling at the at the cashier as well. You know, yeah. saying, how, how was your day? And yeah, also Yeah. It's kind of strange. Everyone yeah. just looks you know, neutral right now. So it's a weird it feeling. It's strange. It's, and it's also strange to think that like uh, certain cultures like Korea and Japan and, you know, China, um, they, they've been wearing masks for a long time because this yeah. is not, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just new for us here. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's not the new normal, but I we'll hope see. Not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll look back on this podcast and laugh. Yeah, exactly. A whole different time. So how did you even get started in that career? Um, did you go to college, high school? What's your what's your education and kind of how did you get into the Navy in the first place? Yeah, um, well, uh, yeah, I tried um, <laughs> to go to college. And that was and that was a thing that I'm glad that I, I did do. Um, I went to college for two semesters, um, dropped out. After that, I moved back home, and I think I was. I I think that that was me trying to fulfill other folks' goals and mm-hmm. and 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 what they wanted for me. What I think culturally, what is expected of most. You mean go going to college in the first place? Is that what yeah, you're going about? to college yeah. in the first place? Yeah, because yeah. it wasn't something that I wanted to do. I didn't like okay. school. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't sound. It sounds very cavemanish and narrow-minded. I think now looking back on it, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to learn anything new. I wanted to do stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was done learning. I wanted to do stuff. <laughs> but I think you don't realize at that age that in order to do stuff, you have to learn. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, well, I did just that. Um, okay. So I yep, joined the Navy after I dropped out of another college and um, ended up learning more than I think I ever could have realized. How old were you when you joined? I joined when I was 19. Okay. How did you choose the Navy out of all of the realms of military? Um, you know, I always wanted to join the Navy. I mean, I remember telling my mom and dad, I mean, there's pictures of me like a baby in a sailor outfit <laughs> that we still have. But I remember telling my mom and dad that I wanted to join the Navy when I was really little. Really wow. little. Wow. Yeah. Like, I, you know. Um, well, I, I say really little, my memories don't go back as far as some people, for some reason, mm-hmm. people can remember like things when they're three, that's not me, <laughs> but I remember, you know, being, you know, five, six years old and still saying like, yeah, Navy, I want to be in the Navy. That's um, awesome. That's so yeah. interesting. And then you ended up going to college and not doing the Navy first yeah. and then, okay. And then you dropped out and decided to join. Yep. Yeah, which is a lot of folks. I, I'm, that's uh, a common theme amongst uh, people in the, in the uh, you know what, and it's not a drug, and you know what, there's a lot of stigma, a lot of whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I'm ready for it now. And it's, uh, I like learning a lot more. I enjoy learning. I appreciate learning more, uh, having taken the time to do the things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm ready to go back and, and do that now. But yeah. So when you joined, uh, did you have a specific job that you wanted to do or how did you end up in the AWR realm? Yeah, I'm actually really, really good at quitting stuff. Um, I'm a professional <laughs> quitter. Uh, yeah, I joined, 
Um, I joined to do uh, what's called Special Warfare Combatant Craft Crewman, SWIC. Okay. And um, I think they're kind of the, there's some people refer to uh, different rates as like quiet professionals throughout the Navy, like uh, SEALs often and then SWIC. But I think that kind of goes to SWIC because they're, they're um, SEALs get their glory. And I think that uh, no one knows what SWIC is or uh, who they are. And it's, you know, it's a few hundred guys. I think it's like seven or 800 guys. Uh, and that number could be way off. So don't, 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 nobody hit me after this. Um <laughs> Uh, my numbers are pulled off all old numbers. Uh, okay. and, and they're just a small group of, of guys that are, um, I mean, you've seen them on any kind of Navy commercial. They're in the small inflatable bow, uh, rigid hull inflatable bow, uh, boats with guns, you know, they got Gatling guns and grenade launchers and, you know, M240s. They got all these machine guns and stuff. Those little tiny boats, those guys, and they jump out of okay. aircraft and do the, um, special warfare, uh, special operations kind of stuff. Yeah. Wow. So that's what you initially wanted to do. That's what I initially wanted to do. And that's what I okay. trained to do. So yeah, before the Navy, um, when I dropped out of the second college, I immediately, you know, got a job. I was salvaging metal and I was waiting tables and uh, taking my sister to school and, um, you know, trying to get my life semi on track and training every day, seven days a week for that job. And, uh, my buddy, um, I won't name his name because he's still in, is currently doing that job. Um, and he was a mentor of mine. Um, you know, we went to school together and he graduated ahead of me and he went in and he did that. And it seemed so cool. And it was something mm -hmm. that I really wanted to do. So I was training for that and working with the recruiters and a lot of the folks that supported me along the way um, were former active duty um, people. And yeah, so trained to do that for about uh, six or seven months, you know, there's seven days a week training, um, wow. as hard as I could to get ready for that. And, um, yeah, but got in and found out it's, it's no joke. It's not a, <laughs> yeah, That's no joke. it's not a, it's not a walk in the park. It's not a walk in the park. No, it's some yeah. pretty bad days. You have some pretty hard times, uh, some pretty bad days. So it's hard to keep your spirits up. I think that's a lot of, yeah a lot of people's ear body can break. And, um, I definitely had my breaking points with my body as well, but, um, your mentality, your, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, everyone's got their ebb and flow and, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, how they are throughout the, throughout the week and month and year and day, whatever, um, good moods and bad moods. If you, if you catch yourself on a bad mood and a bad day and, and things go wrong, you, you really got to dig deep to not, just walk away from everything and mm -hmm. quit the hard stuff and go do some easy stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, what drew you to, I'm curious why you chose that because that seems like from the outside, a really hard and challenging role. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. and all of the Navy really is, but um, you know, specifically you had to train for several months, even ahead of time. So you probably had just a small idea of what you were getting into, but um, that takes a special personality, I would say, to sign on for something like that. I think it started with, um, my, you know, I'm not going to lie. It started with 9-11. I think that was a mm. big, um, that hit uh, real hard. Okay. Uh, real emotional response. I have, I, have, I have a lot of emotional responses to those type of, I take a lot of things 
Um, it's something that I've been working on my whole life, but I take a lot of things personally mm-hmm. um, that maybe shouldn't be taken personally. And that was one of them. I, was, I felt very attacked. I felt like things could end at any moment with this uh, volatile response and I mean, I, 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 volatile uh, situation. And however you feel about 9-11, um, yeah, you know, what, you know, people's ideas and theories and stuff. There are terrorists that want to end America. There are nations that want to end America um, because, because of, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know why actually. I don't, I don't understand mm-hmm. them. because they want to convert and, and make us the way they are. I guess I'm not going to pretend to know what they think, but <laughs> that, yeah. that, 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 that in and of itself scared me so bad. The thought that things could end that um, you know, my friends and loved ones and, everything would change for the worse mm-hmm. severely drove me hard to to think about uh i wanted to uh i wanted to be out there and make a difference with with a, with the men and women that were out there doing that mm-hmm. immediately after because we i was 11 at that time so i'll say that i was 11 um and you were i know you were also 11 <laughs> Yes, I was also loaded because yeah. side note, we have the exact same birthday of the exact same year. You are my birthday twin. <laughs> it was weird when we found that out. Yeah, very it was weird. <laughs> we were trying to figure out what time we were born to see who was actually older. Yeah, I think uh, you're older, right? I think I that's what know. we came up with. <laughs> I, I, I think I was born at 7 yeah. or something in the morning. Yeah. That feels like a young, that feels like a young age to get that feeling of like, of purpose in that way, which I think is really cool that you had, I mean, you'd already felt like you want to be in the Navy since you were even younger, but then 9-11 happened and it feels like something was like planted in you or something that you just had to, had to do that at some point. Yeah. And I think that um, maybe those are thoughts that I don't think I'm a unique individual by any means. I, th- I think those are thoughts that everyone probably gets and doesn't allow that they, they, maybe they don't allow those thoughts to flourish or, or mm-hmm. maybe they, mm, I don't know if it's ego or some sort of self that kind of shoots those thoughts down in an individual mm-hmm. and says, you know, no, that's crazy. I don't want to think about stuff that I can't do, or I don't want to think about stuff that doesn't make sense to where I am right now. I don't need to think that far ahead or I don't need to think about life like that. Um, maybe that's kind of part of the ego protecting your protecting yourself kind of building up these walls of uh, well we don't need to think about that no we don't need to mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah but I I, I, w- I I won't say I was I'm a normal person I think I'm a weird individual but <laughs> my my mom said <laughs> that I would sit out because uh, I grew up on an island I'll start with that so I love the water um, not a tropical island it's a nasty little island <laughs> off uh, the coast of Maryland uh, Bayside so um, I love the water. I love being around the water. But my mom would said when I was a little kid, five, six years old, I would just sit on the beach and stare for like three or four hours. Just she thought there was something wrong, maybe. Wow. <laughs> but I would stare at the water and just kind of sit there. And she says just a very calm little kid. Um, yeah. And she always wondered what I was thinking about. And I don't know what I was thinking. I'm not going to pretend like I knew I was thinking about deep yeah. thoughts when I was a little kid. I don't think I was, but <laughs> I think that that kind of a, a, a piece, that inner piece, uh, I was lucky enough to just kind of have that and to think about things further down the road that could disturb that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, hmm. mentality. Do you still do that? Do you still sit and think for 
a while at a time. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely do. And I think about world events and how they culminate. I, I, I don't think it's something that you should do all the time because you'll freak yourself out. I think it's one of those yin yang things. You got to balance it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, because there's a lot of bad, there's also a lot of good in the world. So you got to you got to balance. That's why you know you spend too long watching the news. You 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 get in that kind of negative mentality without even realizing it. But, I'm just going to take us back to was it Swick that you were in, and then you said that you yeah. quit that to go into AWR. Yeah, I deal. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, I okay. ran the belly Dord. Um, drop on request is what is what that's called. So that's not a it's not a good thing. It's not a, anything to be proud of. It's a it's a, like I said, I'm a professional quitter. Um, <laughs> I I uh, I had a bad day at Swick. I was not doing good physically. I was beat down. Um, sleep. I was you know lack of sleep was was kicking my butt, and um, mentally I was just not driven i did not on that for that hour of that day i just um was talking myself out of it and you can't let Mm -hmm. yourself do that when you're getting physically um i'll I'll just say like kind of a basic you know day to day is that you know you you get up super early i mean as early as you know 3 30 in the morning to get ready to inspect your friends at four and be on the pool deck by 4 30 and do uh goodness like a mile swim warm up um you know multiple sprints and and underwater evolutions where you're you know not tying and doing you know breath hold stuff where you're swimming certain distances and doing flips and stuff so you do a lot of work in the pool and then you go to the beach and you'll get just mercilessly beat down on the beach by some instructors that love making people do burpees and push-ups and Mm -hmm. back belly back belly feet where you're just jumping on your back jumping on your belly jumping on your feet and bear crawls where you're crawling around the sand buddy bear crawls where your buddy's holding onto your neck and you're crawling around the sand while he's holding onto your neck doing obstacle course stuff going to eat breakfast and then realizing like oh man i just ate breakfast i still gotta make it through two meals oh wow. man uh so and then you know it ends when the sun goes down and then you do that again uh, before the sun wow. comes up. So those days are long and, and I was mentally beat. So I quit, I quit. Not a good thing. It was not a happy moment. Um, so I went to go get a new job in the Navy. Cause that's what you got to do. Uh, you don't get to go home. Contrary to <laughs> popular belief. When you talk yourself out of things, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to go home and go yeah. take a nap and, you know, say hi to mom and dad. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was in not happening. It's more of a transfer, not quitting. (laughs) Right. It's not a trans. It's right. It's a transfer. It's not a, it's not a quit. There's no quitting. You're not allowed to go home. Um, but they promise you a lot of quick things when you do quit, like, Hey, you can go sit in the air conditioned car for 30 minutes and take a nap and we won't bother you for the rest of the day if you quit things like that. And they, Mm -hmm. the instructors will egg you on with that sort of, and they let you do that. Um, to quit, to reward the people that quit because they don't want quitters. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't bought like that. I was broken. So at the time that I quit was good uh, as far as timing went. They allowed folks to line up for the jobs in the order that they didn't quit. So like the sooner you quit, the further back you were in the line and the later mm-hmm. you quit. The first. So I just the day that I went was pure luck and... Um, Gosh, I think that if I remember the words of the guy correctly, uh, who was assigning jobs, and he was not a pleasant fella uh, either. He's, he's just a guy. You didn't. He's a 
government employee who did not care about whether or not you scraped paint off a bow of a ship for the next six years or you mm. uh, were lucky enough to be a diver or rescue swimmer or one of the other jobs. Um, yeah, I think he said that mine was a, either the last or second to last contract uh, that he had for air rescue. Because I asked him, well, if I do air rescue, will I get a bonus? And he was like, no, if you don't take it, there's 45 guys behind you that would love to have this job. Wow. And I was like, dang, all right, I'll take it. Where's it at? I'll sign for it. Sign me up. <laughs> so that was, so that was pretty much your, I mean, that was your only option other than maybe something that would be less desirable or oh, more menial tasks or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There were, or so there I should were. say your best, that was your best option available to you. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No. And then, yeah, last option is not a bad way of putting it, honestly, because uh, a lot of the folks, a lot of the, 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 the gentlemen that I, that were behind me in that line, I kept in contact with for many years and they were having a bad time. Yeah. Wow. Um, being undesignated on a ship or um, even undesignated at a, at a squadron, if you're lucky enough to be an undes airman or a undes seaman, it, it can be a rough life. You can, you can, serve food for 12 hours a day you can chip paint for 12 hours a day you can uh, do a lot of uh, labor and then still have other duties and other things like basic basic life stuff you, you say someone works 12 hours a day on a ship seven days a week um yeah that's a lot of hours in general but then you also have to think about he's still got to figure out how to do his laundry he's still got to wait mm. three hours in line on a ship to do his laundry and wait an hour in line for food possibly stuff like that so you're like oh man it's a it's not a happy uh existence for a little while so what did being a rescue swimmer entail what does that mean because i i wouldn't be able to describe it to somebody not yeah <laughs> well it's a loaded yeah it's, it's okay because it's a loaded question it's a lot there's a lot that goes on so what we'll, I'll, I'll break it down from the beginning that way uh everybody can uh, get a hold who, who don't who everyone who doesn't know um Rescue Summer School is in Pensacola. Um, it's been in Pensacola for a while. Hurricane took down the old one, and they have a new one now. It's pretty nice. Um, it's got a, it's a big pool. It's a huge building. It's got a, a wave pool. Um, it's really cool. They can black out all the windows and turn on sound and make it sound like you're jumping out of a helicopter and there's lightning and thunder. And hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. Cool stuff, yeah. And, and, yeah. and you, yeah, you learn everything um, from, you know, how to put somebody in a, um, uh, a uh, basically what's a stretcher in the water um, to uh, baskets and nets and how to directly hoist someone up if you have um, different uh, rescue straps and, and stuff that you can rope around people and, and hoist them into the helicopter. Yeah. So that's rescue swimmer school. And that, that's wow. a lot of PT and stuff. Uh, definitely nothing compared to seal or swick. I'm not going to pretend like it's the hardest thing job um but it's a good workout absolutely and you got a lot of like underwater sprints and pool pool sprints and a lot of a lot of good good times i, I really loved rescue summer school i think it was one of the best schools that i ever went to you you never know once you get to the fleet when you're gonna have to save someone's life um and that sounds like overrated like oh you'll never save someone's life bro but just in case mm -hmm. it's good to be in shape just in case you know mm -hmm. uh the the one in a thousand chance that a uh, jet pilot goes down or someone needs um rescuing and a vessel near nearby or something you never know 
Um, so hopefully you're still working out through all this, but you got like eight months now. You're going to sit in a classroom and learn about mm -hmm. anti-submarine warfare stuff. So you're sitting in like a vault inside of a vault and it's, uh, it's a little depressing if you're used to being outside all day. Yeah. That's a big change. Big change. Yeah. So all day, um, locked up doing that stuff <laughs> and still going to the gym, hopefully before work and after work. Cause there's a lot of gyms on base, a couple gyms on, on that base at least. Um, and then from there you go to your C school. So that was, uh, air, so, so we went air crew school, water survival stuff, uh, rescue summer school, uh, a school and then C school, which people call the FRAC, um, the fleet replacement air crew, um, squadron. Okay. So the, 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 the FRAC or the RAG, um, People call it a few different names. A lot of acronyms in the Navy. I'm trying not yeah. to do them too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably impossible, though, because that's how you associate it with it. So, yeah, it we'll keep up. <laughs> it's counter, it's counterintuitive. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'm trying not to use them. Um, the uh, the frack then, is like another nine or um, ten months, depending on how fast wow. you can get through everything. So, yeah, you're okay. in training quite a, quite a while. Cause you've got, I, I forgot the, the exact lengths, but it's like six weeks air crew school. You got like a week or something or two weeks of water survival, something like that. And then you've got, um, rescue summer schools, another four or six weeks. And then you got, you know, eight months and then nine months, but you're also on hold in between all these schools waiting to class up. So you're cleaning okay. a lot of floors and going out to get group, group beat downs and group workouts and stuff, um, which are fun. Um, and yeah, so that there's a lot involved. When yeah. I got to air crew school, I had, um, I was pretty sure I had a shin splint that was getting pretty serious. Um, but they won't let you medically be on hold for um, too long. Okay. So you can only be on like medical hold. It's like, say if you're sick, you get like two weeks if you sprain your ankle or if you're sick or something. And after that, you're going to get dropped because they don't have time to waste. You're going to go out to the fleet and be undesignated. They don't have time to hold you there. Wow. Um, so I was like, man, my leg hurts really bad. <laughs> like when I walk, <laughs> let alone when mm -hmm. I go on, you know, three mile beach runs on, on, as a group and stuff like that. So um, I made it through air crew school and water survival and then got to rescue summer school. And they're like, does anyone have any injuries? And I, at this point, I've been working out for a few months because I didn't class up immediately. You know, I was hanging out for like a month or two before air crew school and i was like yeah i think i broke my leg and the, the chief corpsman who's in front of everyone his name is chief griffin he's like this tatted up uh jack dude and he's like you didn't break your leg shut up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay okay but yeah never I mind I, I, was I, I, I was persistent because oh, my pain at this yeah. point was so bad um, that I wasn't putting my left leg down when I was doing push-ups. I couldn't wow. put it down and I couldn't sleep with a sheet over that leg. Cause just to put the sheet on it was excruciating and it was all wow. swollen and like purple and it was weird looking. It was not good. It didn't look good. It was weird. So I'd been running this stress fracture to the point where it started to slide. And I, I thought that I, I felt it, you know, you feel mm -hmm. this pain that's excruciating. And he's, he's like, you're telling me I got to take you to get an x-ray. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yes, chief, I, I believe so. 
and he's freaking out. He starts screaming at me in front of the class. Like, you know, I won't say the words he said, but it's just derogatory stuff, mm -hmm. insulting everything from my manhood to my mother. And it's just bad. And I'm, I, wow. I'm, trying, you know, I'm trying not to laugh. You know, it's like, that's part of the experience. <laughs> this is what I came here for. I expected that. Um, so it, that's, that's part of it. And that's fun, you know, but he's screaming at me. He's screaming at me and he's mad. So he drives me over to medical. He makes me get in the car because he, if your leg's really broken, you got to get in the you know, effing car. You know, he's screaming at yeah. me the whole drive over to medical. And he's screaming at me while I get on the table to get the x-ray. And he's still like, you know, arms crossed, shaking his head with his hat and his shorts and his shirt tucked into his shorts. And he's just screaming. And um, the doctor started making fun of me even too. Like, I can't believe you're over here. You think you, you, think you hurt Oh yourself. my gosh. Anyway, they got the x-ray back, and it was totally broken. My leg was broken. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and you'd been on it for how long? At that time, uh, over two months. Yeah. Wow. Running on it every day, um, or at least five days a week, um, Saturday and Sunday, chilling, uh, going to the gym and stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they kept me. Uh, instead of dropping me with that two-week uh, span that they normally allow, they, they gave me six months. To heal oh, wow. up, so okay. I just passed and, and hung around for six months. Okay. Um, and I think that made air cruise, uh, air cruise school afterwards more fun uh, looking back because I was able to, you know, go back and hang out at air crew school and um, make friends with all the old instructors that I had previously had, you know, just, mm -hmm. just prior to that. And then meet all the rescue swimmer instructors there too. Um, yeah. So it made everybody knew me when I show up, showed up to, to rescue swimmer school and, it made everything more fun. I was glad that it, that I ended up powering powering through it, and I was glad that I was glad that I broke my leg at the end of it because it made it cool. And I was glad. I'm glad that you, uh, you know, told him that you really did need an X-ray and you fought for yourself because yeah. <laughs> that would have been horrible to just keep working on that broken leg. I mean, who knows what kind of damage would have been done long term. Yeah, I think it it would have been it would have needed pins if it had gone much further because I had to go yeah. I had to go back twice just to make sure that it didn't need to have pins at that wow. point to get it X-rayed again and have another doc look at it because she wasn't a radiologist she's just like a general practitioner um, but it was just clear to her it was like oh, that's oh my god she came in and apologized he apologized everybody was like. <laughs> You know, he, the chief, uh, chief Griffin was like, I'm keeping you. I am keeping you. You're mine. That's cool, man. I've never seen anybody do that. You know, like, um, Oh my gosh. You earned their respect after that. Yeah. And that felt cool. You know, yeah. I'm glad I powered through it, but I normally don't stand up for myself like that. Yeah. I normally don't. And I think that because I had, you know, all these things leading up to this event, you know, I dropped out of college, I dropped out of SWIC, I was at my wits end, I didn't want to be there, I didn't want to deal with it, I didn't really care. Yeah. I just didn't want to be in the pain anymore. I was like, you know what, I made it through air school, I thought I could make it through rescue swimmer school with this broken leg, but I can't, I gotta tell somebody. It sucks, but yeah. I gotta tell somebody. So, um, where did you end up being stationed when you were a rescue swimmer? I got stationed in Coronado. It was an okay. awesome, beautiful place to be stationed, um, which is in San Diego. Um, for anybody not familiar with um, the SoCal area, that's that's you know right on the Mexican border, and it's a it's just a beautiful place altogether. You know, weather year round is is awesome. Water's cold year round. Mm -hmm. I'll say that Pacific is you know you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pacific doesn't really get warm, uh, but. 
Yeah. So how long did you end up being a rescue swimmer? So after, I mean, in total, after I got out of schools and stuff, I was, um, in for three years at, um, at my, uh, actual squadron. Okay. So I was in training for three years and at the squadron for three years. So six year contract is typically what folks, uh, will sign up for, uh, or are mandated to sign up for if you're doing any Mm -hmm. kind of special program, just because the schools are so much longer. So that's seal SWIC, diver EOD, um, air rescue, all the, all those guys sign six year contracts as opposed to the, um, the four year contracts that most, most people sign. Yeah. Are there, do you have any stories to share that, that you can share with us about yeah, rescue swimming? I, yeah. Or, I, or I'm thinking too of the, you know, that story that you were talking about when you were sort of torturing you. <laughs> yeah. That was a Are you allowed to share any of that? Uh, yeah, so a seer school survival evasion resistance and escape where you learn to um, survive a little bit better and learn to um, act as a, a POW in various um, situations. So that's one of the schools okay. we go to too. I guess the biggest thing, and, and this is uh, one of those things that sticks with me for, for most people, at seer school I did wear uh, Captain America underwear. Um, <laughs> so when they strip you down and you're <laughs> going through stuff, uh the stories generally revolve around me wearing Captain America underwear and getting uh, slapped a lot, slapped a lot for wearing that. Um, and people call me Captain America after that as a joke um, for wearing those. Uh, yeah. And so without going into uh, too much detail, um, Seer, are you saying Seer school? Yes, yeah, Seer, sorry. That's E-R-E, Survival, Resistance, and Escape. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's basically, is that simulated torture and various things that you would experience if you were a P- POW? Yeah, very lightly. So I, I, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like it's super tough or crazy or anything. It's not that crazy. It's it's, but it is, yeah, it is, it is um, simulated all, all kinds of, all kinds of scenarios. Yep. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know what your school is and you can Google it. There's videos out there where the Navy gives introductions because you know, it's one of those things that they're doing now to get the get the public n- no big secrets um, as far as, uh, you know, psychological stuff that happens to folks. There's nothing crazy. <laughs> Be, with you being stationed in Coronado, um, what kind of missions would you go on? Because f- me from the outside, I'm thinking what's happening in the water outside of San Diego that you would need to have a rescue swimmer for? Yeah, not a lot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but what we did was actually wait for the aircraft carrier, hang out for the aircraft carriers to rotate out. And every aircraft carrier will have two helicopter squadrons. They're going to fly around the side of the aircraft carrier when the jets are landing and taking off or in flight. And if any jet goes down, Sierras are going to be the first guys on it. So that's why okay. a lot of people say they get more rescues because their primary job at that point is going to be search and rescue. For the aircraft carrier when they when they deploy on the carriers and they do other missions too but that for the carriers that's what they're doing and the romeos on the other hand their primary mission is going to be anti-submarine warfare i just want to clarify that there are two squadrons here and he's referencing the r in awr using the word romeo and there's aws is the other squadron so although we are ready to do sar and although we have brought on occasion at least you know the stuff to do search and rescue we are like third in line for the aircraft carrier to get anybody 
in search and rescue. We'll have the gun, we'll have guns, and we'll have maybe missiles or torpedoes to do surface warfare, anti-submarine warfare. But <clears throat> search and rescue at that point for the Romeos is just a side gig. It's a, okay. a collateral duty. Were you deployed um, from Coronado out to sea for any extended amount of time? Did you spend time... I was, yeah. So um, okay. workups for deployment involve a, a lot of time away from home. So I was in Fallon um, doing training exercises. So you're away from home for a month at a time. You might go out on the boat for a month. The NSA boat, it's not a boat, it's an aircraft here. It's a ship. A lot of ships mm-hmm. do kind of when you say boat. Um, it's a ship. Uh, you go out on the ship for maybe a month or so. But for the full deployment, I did nine months um, in the South China Sea region. So I was around... Um, China, um, it, this was during the Obama administration. So a lot of the, the, the tension escalating there revolved around China building uh, islands off the coast mm. and claiming that their territorial water was significantly further from mainland China. And they were kind of doing like interdictions involving um, Japanese fi- fishing vessels and uh, all kinds of sketchy stuff doing, uh, you know, putting warships essentially on those islands. I don't say essentially, they were warships <laughs> on those islands wow. and uh, fighter jets on those islands. And they were like little uh, Navy bases yeah, off the coast of China. And they still are. Uh, and they wow. claim that area as their own, just like they claim Taiwan and um, a lot of other uh, areas. So yeah, I was in South China Sea, um, to do a show force um, specifically uh, for the Chinese. Yeah. Wow. Uh, more or less. <laughs> but I went to Guam and the Philippines and all kinds of, you know, you get, your, you get your stops along the way. Okay. What was your, what was your favorite part of that time? I'd say maybe those nine months out at sea. Is there anything that stands out to you from that time? Yeah, I think the best time for me is always going to be the same thing, the the brotherhood, the camaraderie, the whether it be it doesn't my my buddy Carl and I uh have a a saying that we would joke about tent or a mansion, brother, tent or a mansion doesn't matter. Uh, you know, wherever we're at, we're going to have fun, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have fun because you're going to be there regardless for 9 months. So you just have to laugh and have a good time. I, re- I remember you telling me, and I don't know if you want to share this or not, but about the time when the aircraft carrier carrier ran out of hot water. Oh, yeah. So everybody had to either not shower or take cold showers for, I don't know, how how long was that? Like six weeks or something? Yeah, just the, it was way too long. It was either, th- it was between three to six weeks. I You know, whose time out there is a weird thing. Um, but it was... Uh, it was off the coast of Korea, so it was cold outside. It was snowing almost every day. The water that we were pumping in, because the aircraft carrier, you know, pumps in its own water and filters it and stuff. So the water you're pumping in is cold. Um, but it was just to the aft uh, part of the ship. That, so that's the back of the ship uh-huh. where I uh, lived on the top deck had the bathroom had run out of water, uh, hot water, and it was cold. So it was, you know, pumping out 34 degree water and people were getting brain freezes, just trying to take showers. So people weren't showering. And it was to the point where people were freaking out a little bit. People were getting really smelly. Things were getting weird. I mean, you're living on a boat, you're stacked on top of each other, you know, three high. And 
it's like sardines. So you keeping clean is important. And uh, I just said, you know what? I can't take this anymore. I got to take a shower. Um, so I went in and I was taking a shower, just breathing deep. The shower was running for, I was in there for, you know, like 10 minutes. I didn't care. I was like, I'm over this. I'm showering like a normal human. And um, somebody came in to the bathroom, which is also the shower, you know, it's just a bunch of toilets and a bunch of showers. And um, I was like, Hey man, is the water, is the water hot? And I was like, heck yeah, dude, get in here. <laughs> and uh, he's like, Hey everybody, the water's hot. And I hear him yelling and everybody's freaking out. Everybody's yelling and everybody's getting there. Everybody's now fighting to, cause you know, you gotta, you gotta wait to get in the shower. Yeah. Not the line to, Getting this, there's a line for everything on the aircraft. There's a line to get food. There's a line to get a shower. There's a line to use the bathroom. So they're like sprinting to beat everybody, and I'm like on my way out now, like do 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 do, and they're like, oh man, it's not getting hot. And uh, you know, so many people are standing there in their towels and flip flops, waiting to get in the shower, and everybody is freaking out. And my buddies who knew me were like, dude, were you in there? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was hot. And they're like. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they saw right through you. Yeah, they saw right through me. So my commanding officer and command master chief would pull me aside, and they, they heard, they got wind of it, and they thought it was one of the funniest things that they had heard. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah stuff like that. Keeps you entertained. You yeah. got to keep yourself entertained. Were there ever any times where you were in a more serious situation? I don't know what it was like in the South China Sea, but... Um, yeah. Were there, were there ever any threats when you were there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, and maybe not, that's a dumb, sorry if that's a dumb question. No, but. no, it's not a dumb question because it doesn't happen often. And, and yeah. um, I've had, you know, a couple friends who were shot at by like Somali pirates and I've had other friends who have done, you know, five deployments and never seen another boat, you know, like it, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but regardless of who you are in, in the aviation community um, as a whole, you're going to know somebody that dies, unfortunately. And um, whether it be a, a midair or, um, you know, um, um, CFIT stuff, controlled flight into, into terrain, um, you're going to lose friends. So I, I have had a couple close midairs. Um, uh, uh, everybody does um that really shook me pretty good um a couple of uh, in, in the south china sea um uh, and china as a whole it's not as hostile as um like the iranians who will threaten mm -hmm. to shoot down via the radios it's a lot more passive aggressive stuff you know mm -hmm. it's a lot more oh there's a ship over there i'm not saying anything you know kind of stuff uh, which is really mundane and seeming seemingly mundane at least until you get a bunch of ships from both sides, kind of all cruising around. And you're like, oh, man. Uh, if it did go off, you got to think about, you know, there's 5,000 people on an aircraft carrier. Um, mm -hmm. so, and there's, a, you know, 300 on each destroyer. So when you've got three destroyers and an aircraft carrier, now you've got a lot of people. And then you have the same amount on the other side. you got a lot of people involved. Wow. Um, so things get tense when ships are moving close to each other and ships don't want to move because they think the other one's going to move and <laughs> mm -hmm. those type of situations. But um, the midairs were the most, uh, and I know people who have gotten uh, close to, to hitting other aircraft and um, quit their job. Uh, 
it happens wow. uh, because you realize like you could you could go away really quick. I so I had three three close mid airs. Uh, one I didn't realize, and my buddy who was more senior to me at the time, and he's out of the Navy now too, um, moved on to, to great things as well. He um, his look. This is a guy who who was unshakable. My buddy Dan was did not care about anything. He was very very chill never saw him react to anything and um, his eyes and face he's looking out the window behind me uh, and his eyes and face get so big and he just leans back and he's like yeah you know freaking out and making all the appropriate calls to deconflict the aircraft and make sure the pilots know because the pilots are heavily dependent on the folks in back when you're right. doing things like landing on an aircraft carrier, landing on a, a boat, or even flying cro- close proximity to another helicopter, they're, the guys in back, the air crew, whether it be Sierras or Romeos, are calling out where the other helicopter's at. And they're telling them distance and height and um, like general, like, you know, they're at our six o'clock, they're moving to our nine o'clock, they're at our, they're at our six on seven, eight going to see him at the nine o'clock now 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 and they'll call out you know when the pilot can see him and and the pilots are maneuvering the aircraft uh, pretty much on you know on good faith of the folks in back wow Um, so your ability to communicate and work as a team is uh really key so Mm -hmm. communication teamwork operational risk management stuff is really really drilled in um yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing all of that, Tristan. That's such a crazy it's such a crazy world to learn about because I would have no connection to it outside of knowing you and hearing about your experiences. So, anyways, it's cool to learn things about different areas of life. I'm curious if you will ever go back to active duty. Do you have an interest in that? The, uh, the action that I thought was going to be there, because w- when I joined, you know, I was hearing stories um, in early 2001 and 2002, and you hear stuff on the news and you, you hear rumors after that. So as a teenager, you start hearing more and more. 2004, you hear stuff about like Ramadi and SEAL teams out there. And, um, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I think I found that level of brotherhood and teamwork and com- camaraderie. But action-wise, it wasn't that wasn't there anymore. Not not for air rescue, at least. And there might have been some Marsoc guys, some Marine Special Forces, or uh, maybe a few SEAL teams still still doing some some of that type of stuff. And I know there are a lot of Army guys still on the ground, um, even to this day, and, and Marines, and, and some Air Force and Navy too. But the the combat is way way less. And uh, I wanted to be a part of that because. Uh, and I still feel this in my gut. I, I think that that's some of the last big fighting that we'll have. And I, I might sound naive, like, no, we could go mm-hmm. to war at any time. But I I think we're reaching the end of it just because of technology, um, drones, economics, um, mutually assured destruction, all those factors kind of come into, to culminate now to where, you know, cyber is the new um, front for things and has been for a while, but it's really coming to a, a peak. Um, yeah. Gosh, I don't think I'm I'm nowhere near in good enough shape to 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 do any of it. So why even dream? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm I'm living the cubicle life now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the COVID life. Of and the COVID staying life. Staying home. Yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't seen my cubicle in a while. Much. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I left my cube. <laughs> well, Tristan, I really appreciate you chatting with me. That was so fun to learn more. Thank you so much for having me. It was, I'm so excited that you did this. This is awesome. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Curiosity Cast. For more content and episodes, you can visit www.thecuriositycast.com or follow us on Instagram at thecuriositycast. Stay curious.